Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I had the opportunity when I was in college to be a backpacking guide for Young Life for four summers and got the chance to spend time in the outdoors with high school students and saw God do some of the most transformative work I've ever seen take place. One of the skills we had to learn as backpacking guides was that of orienteering. That's that we would take a topographic map and uh, we would have to be able to figure out where we were using the geography of the space that we found ourselves in. The the way you orienteer, at least before we had GPS uh, on our trips, was to take a compass and you'd have to get into a space where you could see a number of different peaks around you. You'd take the compass, you'd shoot a bearing to that peak and then get on the ground and draw a line from what you thought was that peak on your map back all the way to where you imagined yourself to be. You'd do that with three peaks and eventually you'd have a a triangle where all three of those lines intersected and it was your way of identifying we are here (laughs) or we're someplace close to here. (laughs) Knowing where you are in the backcountry is really, really important. I mean, if you get lost, you don't know which direction to go and which way is out. And I think the same is true for our lives. That if we don't know where we are, we don't know where we're going, we don't know which direction to charge in, which direction to move in, we don't know what to anticipate as we look towards the future. And as we embark on this annual meeting weekend, where we have a lot of important things in front of us, I thought it would be good to try to orienteer a little bit, to try to establish some um, understanding of where we are as a community of faith. My hope is that we'll have the chance to look back and see a little bit of where we've come from, and then to look ahead to see where God might be leading us as we move into the future. So here's my prayer for us as we begin our time. Would you just ask Jesus to give you ears to hear? And as you do that, will you open with me to John chapter 15? John chapter 15. This section of scripture is what's called Jesus's farewell discourse. Okay, he's just washed his disciples' feet. He's uh, served them uh, the Passover meal. He's given him them bread that he called his body and wine that he called his blood, pointing them towards the crucifixion and then the resurrection. He's also, in John chapter 14, just talked about the indwelling of the spirit that he was going to leave with them. And then in John 15, starting in verse 1, listen to what Jesus says. I believe that this is one of his most prolific teachings on what it means to be a disciple, but it's also going to help us orienteer, I think, and give us language for where we are. Here's what Jesus says. I am the true vine, he writes, and my father is the vine dresser. Uh, Let's just pause and get the imagery. See, Jesus is the vine, and in the picture, we grow in 
him. That's a really important phrase in the New Testament. It's used 164 times to try to help us locate our position. We are in Christ, and Jesus says that his father is the vine dresser. He's, he's the one who shapes and choreographs the growth of the vine, of you and I, in Christ. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And now that first part is a little unsettling. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And what he's simply saying, I think Jesus is, is distinctly pointing back to Judas, who just a chapter and a half earlier had betrayed Jesus and had walked away from him. But he's also pointing to the reality that those who, are in, who aren't in Christ are without Christ, that they will be eventually cast away from him. He says it again in John chapter 15, verse 6. Anyone, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. That's not exactly an uplifting message, but it's the, the exact thing that the scriptures point to as the end for the, those who don't know Jesus. But Jesus makes a, a different point about those who are in him. Here's what he says. He says, they, speaking of you and I, they will be pruned. Now, he doesn't say they might be pruned. He, he doesn't say, well, if they're bad, they'll be pruned. He says, just, it's just a reality of being in Christ, being in the vine. The vine dresser will prune us. That word in the Greek, the word that we translate pruned, uh, is the word kathairo, and it literally means to make clean through purging. Now, here's the thing about pruning. Pruning is what a vine dresser does to branches that are living, not that are dead. Uh, see, pruning isn't going away and taking away the branches that aren't living any longer. It's actually cutting off branches that are alive so that you can channel energy and nutrients towards other branches that are bearing more fruit. It's cutting something back so that then it will grow even more. Okay, so let's pause for a moment. As we orient here, and try to figure out where we are, I'd like to humbly propose to you that we're being pruned. That, that we're in a season where some things are being cut back. I, I mean, we're, we're in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> We've had to cut back on some things that we thought were and, and still think are really, really important to us. But I, I believe that we're in a season of, of pruning and it's disorienting, isn't it? I can remember going to an amusement park when I was a kid living in Colorado, and there was this ride called the Mind Eraser. It was one of those rides where uh, it was circular, and you would stand, begin standing against the back wall, and then the ride would start spinning. Do you remember these rides? I mean, just makes me sick to my stomach just thinking about it. It would start spinning, and then eventually the floor would drop out, and you would be pinned against the wall, right? Spinning around, you would slowly start to sink down the wall, right? And then finally the ride would end. And you would get off it, and the rest of your day was pretty much ruined because you, had, you were so sick to your stomach. Anybody want to say, yep, that's pretty much the way it went? I think that's 2020. <laughs> I think that's the place that we find ourselves being spun around a little bit, getting off, 
and wondering where we are. We're being, I think we're being pruned. And it sort of hit me the other day that I think Emmanuel Faith as a whole is on a parallel track to the journey that I've been on personally and my family has been on. I mean, it was a little bit over a year ago that the search team reached out to me and asked me to put my name in for the lead pastor role. And up until that point, uh, our life was just cruising along in Colorado. We were happy. God was doing great things. We were excited about the future. I think that that same thing was true for Emmanuel Faith at that time. Uh, We're cruising along. Uh, We're excited about the future. We see God doing great things. And then, and then, change. I mean, for you, uh, this church got a brand new lead pastor for the first time in 26 years. We moved a thousand miles across the country and, and in so many ways, our lives were uprooted. Some, some branches were cut off that felt like they were living, that felt like they were bearing fruit, that felt like they were really, really good. Yeah, if I could sort of name our space. I think we're in the midst of pruning. And pruning is difficult. It's challenging because it revolves around two ideas. It revolves around the absence of comfort and control and the presence of change and loss. And it might feel like all of a sudden our modes of productivity and contribution immediately fall short. It might feel like our method for controlling and managing our life is immediately gone. It might feel uncomfortable and out of joint, like we're not exactly sure how this works and where to go from here. It might feel like the way that we find meaning and purpose and cope with life is just pulled out from under us. It might feel like our false self just starts to die a really, really painful death. My friends, can I invite you, wherever you are, if you're on a couch and if you're on a coffee shop, would you just lean in? Would you listen, please? Because I think it's in this moment, it's at this crossroad that we have to decide whether we will flee from God, whether we'll push back from Him because of the discomfort, because of the disorientation, because we feel like we've been spun around a little bit and the way that we were functioning isn't functioning and working, or whether we will say to God, God, I want to become more aware of your presence. I want to become more aware of your love. I want to become more aware of what you're doing in my life. And so, even though we are being pruned, we will continue to follow. So according to Jesus, there are two reasons that branches are pruned. Uh, Listen to the first. Here's what he says. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So so don't miss this. Um, Branches, people, communities of faith, churches that are faithful are pruned because they are faithful and fruitful. Not, Not because they're not faithful and fruitful, but precisely because they are. In Emmanuel Faith, for 80 plus years, this has been a faithful church. Um, from 1939 and Earl Morgan saying, we're going to plant this church, uh, to Coy Merritt faithfully pastoring this church, to Doc Strauss 
showing the church how to live and how to die in a way that honored Jesus to Dennis Keating preaching the scriptures faithfully for 26 years. Friends, I am keenly aware that every time I step into the pulpit of Emmanuel Faith, I stand on the backs of giants and I am beyond honored. I mean, for 80 plus years, this church has sent out missionaries They've seen thousands of people come to faith in Christ. They've seen thousands, we've seen thousands of people baptized as a declaration that they are going to follow the way of Jesus. You know, every single time in the worship center, every single time we would, I would go in to preach there, I would pause and read the plaque above the door. My grace is sufficient for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he has been faithful to us. He's been good to us in the past. Numerous church plants, massive impact, faithful pastors. Yes, I mean, we have been faithful and we have been fruitful. And Jesus says, and that's exactly why. That's exactly why you are being pruned. See, it's not, friends, we've been faithful, but faithfulness doesn't allow us to avoid the pruning. It actually positions us to receive it. But there's a second reason that pruning comes. Listen again to the words of Jesus. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more fruitful. So because we've been fruitful, we are being pruned so that we might be more fruitful. The vine dresser's cutting back little shoots that are springing up so that he might bring them back and channel energy and nutrients into the branches, our branches, that will eventually bear more fruit. That fruit, the future fruit, is better in both quality and quantity. And I believe that's true for me and my family. I believe it's true for us as a community of faith that the best is yet to come. But, but even though we might know in our head that pruning is good for us, it's still hard. It's still painful. It's still change. And it still feels like loss. Can I invite you to write this down? Pruning is painful, but it is always for the purpose of being more fruitful. Friends, that's true for us as individuals and it's true for us as a community of faith. And so in John 15, Jesus goes on to give one of his most prolific teachings about being his apprentice, his disciple. But remember, it all flows out of this promise that if we are faithful and fruitful, we will be pruned so that we are more fruitful. And there's three things that Jesus identifies that you and I need to do in seasons of pruning so that we can continue to walk with Jesus. Beginning in verse 4, listen to the first one. Here's what he says. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. The the first word that I, I want you to write down is the word abide. 
It's the way that we navigate the pruning season individually and communally. That word that we translate abide is the Greek word meno. And it literally means to remain or to make your home in a place. So catch this. Before Governor Newsom ever gave us the stay-at-home mandate, Jesus Christ gave us the stay-at-home mandate. Abide in me, he would say. Make your home in me. And it's fascinating because in the original language, in the Greek, this is a command. It's not something that happens by accident. It's something that happens by choice. And you and I, especially in seasons of pruning, must become people who set our attention and our affection on Jesus. But here's the challenging part of all this. Isn't it true that in seasons of pruning, those are the seasons we least want to abide? Those are the seasons that we want to push back. There's two responses to pruning that go against abiding, at least in my soul. And the first is to, to push God away, to say, no, this is painful. This is change. This is loss. This hurts. And I just want to push away. I want to sort of cave in on myself and protect myself. I think Charles Spurgeon hit the nail on the head when he said, I have learned to kiss the wave that strikes me against the rock of ages. It's that intentionality when I'm being pruned, I will push in to my God. But here's a second tendency, at least in me. The second tendency when I'm being pruned is to muscle up and to go, I can make it. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm gonna pull up my own bootstraps. I'm gonna beat my own chest and I'm gonna make it happen. Can I be honest with you? Over the last few months, uh, uh, last seven months, there have been moments where I've tried to do that. I've tried to sort of muscle up and and beat my chest a little bit and say, we're going to make this happen. But friends, it's the times of pruning where we don't need to beat our chest and where we don't need to make it happen, but where we need to surrender and we need to come home. That might be a word for some of you today. Instead of trying harder and doing more, maybe it's the call to abide, to come home. You you might be wondering, well, what does that look like? Uh, Practically speaking, how do we do that? Jesus goes on and he gives us some instruction on how to do that. Verse 7, here's what he says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My words abide in you. That's the way you abide in me. So how do we abide in Christ? Well, we, we let his words abide in us. But by allowing Jesus' spoken words to take root or to find their home, in our heart and in our soul, in a way that they begin to govern our attitude and our actions. Friends, this is different than just hearing his words. It's letting them find root in our soul so that they can bear fruit. That might be as simple as memorizing one verse and just letting it percolate in your mind and heart all day. It might mean reading a passage of scripture in the morning and then just thinking about it intentionally throughout the day. But as Augustine of Hippo once said, the Holy Scriptures are our letters from home. (laughs) And we're called to make our home in them. But that's not the only thing Jesus says. His other instruction on how to abide begins in verse 9. He says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
abide in my love. So Jesus calls calls us to make our home in his love. The one who holds the shears is the great lover of our souls. Our names are engraved on the palm of his hands. He rejoices over us with singing. He calls us his beloved. But how do we really make our home in his love? He goes on to tell us. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You want to know how to abide in Jesus's love? Keep his commandments. Now, we've got to get this. It's not that Jesus loves us more because we obey. It's actually that we become more aware of Jesus's love as we obey. Our obedience opens us up to receive all that God is pouring out. It creates a bucket for us to catch the the blessing that God is wanting to pour into our lives. And he gives us commandments to help lead us into reality, which aligns us with the way of Jesus. And Jesus would say that my disciples um, obey my word and they know the truth and the truth sets them free. We start to recognize his love as we obey his commandments. Well, the next logical question would be, well, which commandments? <laughs> which commandments help us abide? And Jesus says, oh, I got you. I got you. Verse 12. This is my commandment. Really glad you asked that. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. If you go back and you read John chapter 13 through John chapter 15, this is a massive theme. Jesus will say, a new command I give you, love one another just as I have loved you. John chapter 13, verse 34. So that means in seasons of pruning, friends, as a community, as families, we need to sacrifice for one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to bear with one another. Some of these things that aren't natural in seasons of pruning, um, to, to abide in his love is to obey his command, and his command is, well, love each other. Uh, you say you love God, but then you hate your brother, John would say in 1 John. And, and that can't be. That can't be. See, later on in John chapter 17, Jesus will go on in verse 21 to say this, praying for his disciples, praying for you and I. Um, praying for Emmanuel Faith Community Church. Here's what he says. He says, my prayer is that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world would know that you have sent me. See, Jesus' central command to the church is love. Jesus' central prayer for the church is unity. And really, those are two sides of the same coin. As you love one another, you will be unified. But if you don't love each other, you have no hope and no prayer at being unified together. You know, I'm struck with the reality that we're talking about this on our Statement of Faith vote weekend, where we're bringing this before the congregation to say, is this the direction that we sense collectively God leading us as a community of faith? And, and don't get me wrong, statements of faith are really, really important. Um, in many ways, they help give us our, our collective identity. They're the, the core uh, beliefs that we affirm together as a body. But friends, uh, what Jesus says is more important than your statement of faith is your unity. 
is, is your love. A statement of faith is important, but unity and love, that's essential. That's essential. And it's so easy to divide over disagreements. Actually, it's natural to divide over disagreements. You know what's unnatural? What's, what's supernatural? What's distinctively Christian? <laughs> is to say we're going to continue to love, even though we disagree on some peripheral things. That's what I'm calling us to manual faith. Let's be people in the midst of pruning who abide, who abide in his word and let his words abide in us, and then who abide in his command to love him and to love each other well. May love be the thing that binds us together. So there's two more things that Jesus talks about when he's telling us how to live under the shears, under the reality that we are being pruned. And listen again to verse 7 and what he says. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So it's really interesting that it's out of that place and posture of abiding under the pruning that we are then invited to ask. And I'd invite you to write that down. That's the second way that we navigate the season. We abide and we ask. Now, for those who have just gotten branches pruned off, trimmed off, asking can be difficult. It can be a challenge in seasons where we sense change and even some loss to keep pounding on the doors of heaven and saying, God, uh, we're longing to see you move in mighty ways. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm always a little bit thrown off by this. Ask whatever you wish in my name. (laughs) Like, uh, it, it seems so definitive. And yet I know that I've asked for things that I haven't received. And my guess is you probably have too. Um, And Jesus isn't talking about a a name it and claim it prosperity gospel. I mean, if you think he is, just simply pray for a Bentley and see if you get one, right? And if you do, pray for one for me also. We'll celebrate together. But we know that that isn't what Jesus is saying. And and even just play out for a moment with me. um, If Jesus did give us everything we asked for, would we ask for more or less? I mean, wouldn't that type of control paralyze us? I mean, haven't you been grateful for unanswered prayers at certain points in your life? See, no, the reality is as we abide, we trust. We trust that God is powerful enough to give good gifts, but we also trust that he's wise enough to know what's really good. And it's out of that posture of abiding that we say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I I trust you. I'm reminded of Psalm 37 verse 4 that says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight, that's what it means to abide. And as we abide, he becomes our desire. He becomes the the heartbeat of our prayers and the things that we ask for. So, assuming that we're in a season of of pruning, a, a painful season of pruning, so that we'll be more fruitful in the future. Let's be faithful to ask in this season. Ask on behalf of yourself and your family and your neighborhood and your workplace. Ask on behalf of our our church. 
Let's ask, let's ask that Jesus sends us the bruised and the broken, that they would find hope and healing at Emmanuel Faith. Let's ask Jesus to make us a hospital for the sick, not a club for the saints. Let's pray that people are made alive in Christ. Let's keep asking God to give us an awareness that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then let's say, God, will you send us into that harvest? Let's pray for revival. Let's pray for our nation as we find ourselves at a crucial point, at a crossroads. Let's pray that God would make himself known to us in such real ways that we fall on our face and weep and repent and return to our great God. Uh, For our church, let's pray that he would make us a diverse body of believers that reflects our community. Let's pray that he would make us an an inter-ethnic church, not just where there are multi-ethnicities here, present, at Emmanuel Faith, but one where we're connected, where we're one body, where we're on mission together, Juntos, as Pastor Esteban reminded us a number of months ago. And let's continue to ask Jesus to make us a launching pad to send people not just into the nations, but into our community to make a difference for the name of Jesus. You know, we have a history of bold asks at Emmanuel Faith. You may remember a number of years ago when we planted Mission Hills Church. And the elders had moved to uh, buy that plot of land that Mission Hills is now on. But they didn't exactly know how they're going to pay for it. So they started to pray. And it was in that season of prayer that somebody reached out, made an anonymous donation of a million dollars. And then God's people, many of you, responded faithfully to give to this vision to see God's name made great in San Marcos. Ask. Let's ask. Let's, let's boldly ask. I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 3, 20 uh, through 21, that he is able to do abundantly more beyond all that we could ask or think or dream or imagine. No ask is too big for a God who can do beyond. So even in a season of pruning, let's abide and let's ask. Finally, listen to what Jesus says in verse 8, chapter 15. He says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I love this picture, that God gets glory when his people bear fruit. Uh, The fruit of the Spirit, when people come to faith in Jesus, when people walk in freedom. That's what brings our God glory. And he says, much fruit. It's emphatic. And so uh, in seasons of pruning, we abide and we ask. And the third thing I'd like you to write down is we anticipate. We anticipate God doing great things in our midst because pruning is often preparation for greater blessing and increased fruitfulness. You know, Jesus made a number of audacious claims But let me share one of them with you. It's just one chapter earlier in John chapter 14. He said in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. 
He's saying, uh, believers in me will do greater things than I do. Now, most scholars would say it's because there's more of us and we're spread out around the globe. But, but still, the truth um, uh, has this ring to it that makes us wonder, is that possible? Greater things than Jesus? Well, friends, we also know that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so even in seasons of pruning, we anticipate God's blessing and we anticipate fruitfulness. I had a great picture of anticipation this week when uh, my youngest son, Reed, ordered on Amazon a motorcycle helmet for his little motorcycle. And oh my goodness, he was so excited. He saved up and he spent his own money and he picked it out on Amazon and we ordered it together. And every single day he was coming to me and saying, Dad, it, has my helmet been sent yet? Dad, have they processed the order yet? And then finally, when it had been sent, he wanted to track where that package was. And then finally, we got the email. It's 10 stops away. And I mean, you should have seen his face. It was the face of anticipation. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Now, I got to finish the story, too. I, I think the helmet blocked a little bit of his peripheral vision. And on the same day he got it, he ran into a car in our neighborhood. So I guess he got the helmet just in time. <laughs> I don't know. I think a lot of us in this season are sort of wondering, God, are you, are you still at work? Are you in our, in our country, in our nation, in our homes, in our lives, in our church? God, are you still working? And I just want to call you to believe he is and to have a sense of anticipation. I mean, what if we really believed that more fruit, that greater things were on the horizon? According to Jesus, they are. They're just, they just may be a few Amazon stops away. Yeah, seasons of pruning are not time for hope to die, but they're time for new dreams to come to life. This may feel like a really difficult season for you and your family a season of pruning, a season of change and a season of loss, a season where you don't have control and it doesn't feel comfortable. I just want you to know I, I, I'm with you in so many ways. It, it's been that type of a season over the last seven months for me and my family too. I, I see you and I'm with you. But together, let's abide. Together, let's ask and together, let's anticipate. As we close, let me remind you that Jesus is the vine that we are grafted into. 164 times in the New Testament, it says that we are in him. But friends, we can only, we can only make our home in him because he gave his life for us. It's through his body given. It's through his blood shed that those who were far off, you and I, have been brought near. We have been brought home. And so we are here. We may be being pruned, but will you write this down? The one who holds the shears is the great lover of our souls. We can trust him. So if you've called Emmanuel Faith home for decades and years. My guess is that maybe you're sensing a little bit of lament over the changes 
some that we've chosen, some that have just been imposed on us because of COVID and all the restrictions. I want you to know that I see you. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I, I long to help pastor you with our other pastors through this. But let's remind each other that painting, pruning is painful, but it's for the purpose that we would be more fruitful. Let's continue to abide, let's continue to ask, and let's continue to anticipate Jesus doing great things for the glory of his name through this church that he loves dearly. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this time in your scriptures, for the reminder that even though or if this may be a season for us of pruning, that it's for a purpose. The pain is not without its purpose. It's for the purpose of being more fruitful, that more might know of your goodness and your glory and your love, that more may trust in your sacrifice, that more people would find freedom and hope and healing in you. And so, Lord, would you help us to faithfully walk in this season, that we might see you do great things in and through our lives and in and through our church. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.